Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Wednesday. We've got a great show for you. We're going to break a lot of news on this show. Guess what? Truth Social, the fledgling social media empire created by Donald Trump. It's going global today. That's right. It's opening up an outlet in Great Britain. Devin Nunes, the CEO of Trump Technology and Media Group, is here to give us the skinny on that. We're going to be first on that. And then Jason Foster, former Senate investigator for Chuck Grassley, now running one of the most important whistleblower centers in America, He's going to reveal a bombshell today. Guess what? The NIH, Anthony Fauci's team, they deleted not one database of Chinese DNA on coronavirus. They deleted two. And now they're trying to cover up information they already made public. They're trying to put it back under seal. An amazing interview with Jason Foster. We're going to cover both of those today back to back. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking to you because I want to get to those interviews. We're going to make some news. But overnight, broke a really big story. Stephen Colbert, his team wasn't prosecuted, though they trespassed into the Capitol. They were unlawfully entering, according to Capitol Police. But we got the Capitol Police files, and there are three headlines to it. Check it out on the website, on justthenews.com. The whole story is there, including all the documents. But here are the three headlines. First, the chief of police for the Capitol Police is excoriating the U.S. Attorney's Office for not bringing charges against the Colbert Nine. That's what he calls them in his letter the nine producers that were caught trespassing in the Capitol after all of the January 6th defendants who were prosecuted for the same sort of trespassing violations. Two, Colbert's behavior, the team of the Colbert producers, was so outrageous, so boisterous, that a Democratic congressman staffer, Jamal Bowman staffer, actually felt so threatened. He locked himself in a room and called the emergency helpline asking police to come rescue him. What were they doing? Well, they were running around saying, you know me, do you remember me? And threatening to slide something under the door of congressman's office. These congressmen didn't know what it was. They didn't know if it was a weapon, poison, or other things. It scared the living dickens out of a Democrat. And third, when you take the entire body of information that the Capitol Police made public, that Just the News got first last night, you begin to understand that the story that Stephen Colbert gave on television, the story that CBS gave, isn't a complete and accurate story. Their behavior was much more outrageous. They were warned multiple times, at least four times in the letter I can see, not to come into the building without escorts, and then kicked out once when they were caught without an escort, and they came back again. That's why they got arrested. 
or unlawful envy. Check out that story. It's a great read. All right, let's hear from our great partners, advertisers, and sponsors. We'll come right back. First up, Devin Nunez with a big announcement. Trump, social, going global. And we'll also ask him about the story we broke yesterday on this show about the Trump declassified documents being stolen from the American public by the Justice Department, by the FBI, an 11th hour move. I'm sure I'll have some strong reaction to that. And then Jason Foster, another COVID-19 database being deleted, stolen from the American public. Jason Foster from the Empower Oversight Center, former Grassley investigator, going to join us. Two stories, two scoops, right after this commercial break. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Anybody that watches my work knows what a big fan I've become of Truth Social. Why? It has an incredibly engaged audience per 
share or per link that I put up, I get more action on True Social and more engagement, more sharing, more discussion of my stories than on any other social platform, including Twitter and Facebook, which I've been on for more than a decade. It is really becoming a must stop place each day to get the best political news, the most important news of the day. And we have some big news today. It is a true social. President Trump's social platform is about to go global for the first time. Its first expansion outside of the United States. And nobody better to tell us about that exciting news than the man running the company that runs true social. He is Devin Nunes, the former Congress from California, the man who unraveled Russia and collusion story when he was chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and now the CEO of the Trump Media and Technology Group. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, it's great to be with you and uh, coming to you from London. So in London and opening up here, uh, just testing it out, talking to people. We're actually, we've been adding uh, several thousand people now uh, the last few days, even though we never even announced it. But Internet Sleuth were able to figure it out and then We'll be announcing it uh, on True Social, and then uh, we'll be doing uh, some TV rounds, including with GB News, with Nigel Farage, who was one of the political leaders here of the Brexit movement and the conservative movement. Yeah, very exciting. And I think it's sort of obvious, but I want to ask the question anyways. Obviously, we've had this great affinity, Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, lots of engagement in the political and news world. But a lot of places you could have started in the world. Why Great Britain? What made the uh, calculation so common sense? Well, if you just take in general, we're going to have to be very careful about where we go globally, naturally, because there's a lot of folks who don't want to see us succeed. So it's not just the big tech companies who are going to try to do everything they can to stop us. Obviously, there's foreign governments that will try to stop us. And then, John, as you're well aware, there are left-wing networks all over the globe. So we wanted to go somewhere where we feel that is open, open to free speech. Uh, the British, you know, going back, the British government, the history of, of Great Britain goes back a long way in terms of free speech, all the way to the Magna Carta. Obviously, recently with Brexit, we feel like from the UK, it is a great place to get established and then be able to, as our first step, to then be able to drop off into other countries. And so far, so good. The technology is working really, really well. I'm here now testing it out, and it's, and it's working. Exciting. What's been the early reaction? It seems as though this would be a big deal in Great Britain to have an opportunity to get on a true free speech platform. What's the early reaction in the first 24 hours of this rollout? Well, look, I think... Uh, you know, as we speak right now, most people in the UK don't know. So, you know, we're going to be slow and methodical like we have been, make sure people know about it, start to do some some interviews. And then we'll see, you know, as people continue to, to grow on the platform, then I think it's going to be key. We'll be that home for content creators that have either been banned outright completely or people who have been shadow banned. And, you know, as I look, just looking at the engagement on true social or on uh, not not true social yet, but looking at kind of the key content creators in the UK, John, they remind me a lot of you. They put out a lot of really good work, and they don't get much engagement on the on the usual platforms. So this will be one that we'll be able to, I think, quickly show, like we've shown early on in True Social, on the beginning days, that if you get on board early, early adopter, you get followers, you're going to have a lot better engagement on true social than you will anywhere else. And you don't have that risk of being censored for your political views. 
it's so invigorating to know you can go on, you're going to say what you mean, mean what you say, and you don't have to worry about any speech police coming along and knocking you off because their political views differ with your political views. That is the way we used to have free speech in America, and it's clearly getting revived not only in America now, but in Great Britain. I want to ask a little bit about Truth Social because it feels like it's been here a year or two already because there's been so many advances in a very short term. And I know you preach slow and steady. You were very careful in how you roll things up, but you actually accomplished a, a whole lot of milestones in just a very short period of time. You got the first app out, you got the web app out, you've got a redesign now. And I love the favorites bar at the top. And there are lots of people using that to find the most important news. And now global expansion. And if I'm doing my math right, it's not even been six months since the launch. That's a lot to accomplish in a short period of time. What's been the key to getting that level of momentum going? Well, John, and I think that you really have to, to kind of slow down here. And I know that's what I've been preaching, but I don't even consider that we're fully launched yet because until we get into the Google Play Store, I don't think we're. I don't think I consider this a fully launched product. I think we're we're a long way along uh, the path. Uh, there are the five features that we wanted to build out to just have that basic platform. We still have five additional features to go that we'd like to get done this year. We'll continue to make improvements on those five. So you just mentioned. So for the so remember, I mean, we weren't even open on the web app uh, until the middle of May. So that's only been 60 days, where you know you can get you can. You know, even if you have an Android, I always have to say this, you still can go through through your browser to truesocial.com and sign up and get an account. You just have to bookmark it. So uh, we're making those imp- improvements that those of are now, what, about three, two, well, gosh, it seems like uh, it's been a long time, but it's only been two weeks since these new features have been launched. And, and as you said, John, we just had that chronological feed at first and the first build out. Uh, now we have the additional feeds that uh, make it easy for you to quickly check on the people that you follow and engage with the most. And we'll continue to make improvements to that. Uh, but we're going to, you know, one of the staples of our, of our platform is, is that we're not going to use an algorithm in your, main, uh, in your main feed. It will just strictly be a timeline. So, look, we're, we're working with Google. Um, I would say that once we get approved in the Google Play Store, and that goes on and, and we start to deploy that and people hopefully would be able to pre-order soon and then download it and it's working. But that's when I'll say that we are fully launched and I'll still say that until we get our 10 features built out, you're not looking at a fully finished product. But with all that said, uh, people are enjoying the platform because people are getting to uh, realize what it's like to not be censored or worried about what they say on a platform because on their for their political views because they're not going to be banned and, and lose their accounts and john i mean it's it's every day that you see people that are being censored i mean I, just the other day uh dave rubin who's uh popular he was a left-wing guy turned conservative a very popular podcaster um you know just in, recently he was banned from or not banned but he was he was um I think suspended by uh, both Twitter and then uh, just a few days ago, he was also suspended by Instagram. And, and John, I don't even understand why he was even suspended. I mean, it makes it makes zero sense. So every day that goes by, more and more people are, are being censored. And you can imagine that that's happening here in the UK. Like I said, uh, just viewing the number of followers and the reactions and the, the, the interaction engagement, so to speak, 
uh, here in the UK with, with great content creators. Uh, it, does, it, it sure looks like they're not getting to exercise their rights of free speech. That's, that's for sure. And we don't even know yet how many people we're going to find, like we found in the United States, of these great artists and meme makers and folks like that that have been, that have been banned outright from these platforms. And my guess is, is there's, there's, probably, there's probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands here in the United Kingdom that, uh, that have been banned from all these platforms and we're going to give them a home. Yeah, such an important development. And I think the world is starting to come to reckon with this idea that censorship actually has proven to be detrimental, whether it's censorship in the early debate on COVID, censorship around all the scandals that were thrown at Donald Trump that turned out not to be scandals once he got the uncensored information. I think the rest of the world often looks at America and says, that's our shining beacon of free speech. That's our shining beacon of a free market. As you begin to spread this app out further to other countries, how important is it to return the concept of free speech and and free market in America so that the rest of the world has something to aspire to? Well, look, that's our mission, right? Our mission is to, I always like to say that Donald Trump didn't need a new company. I didn't need a new job. Our goal here, the mission of True Social is to open the internet back up and give the American people their voice back and ultimately people around the world. And this is the first step in that direction with us opening here in the UK this week. Yeah, it's a big deal. It really is. And it's a sign. It's funny because if you were to read some of the mainstream press, you'd say, oh, my God, Truth Social must be in some terrible trouble. And what's going on? And yet anybody who's actually on the platform, they all go, oh, my God, this is the way Twitter used to be with just with better features and no algorithm. But there's this false narrative, as there has been in so many other of the instances of anything Donald Trump touches. There seems to be a false narrative. How important has it been for you to stay ahead of that narrative, knock down the false stories, and keep this marketplace growing the way you have? Well, really, there's, it comes down to there's, there's two Americas. There's an America that listens to 95% of the news that is fake. And then there is the other America, which mostly starts when you get outside of the big city states where people believe things that are totally different. They're, they're not Marxists. They're not socialists. Uh, they believe in free speech. And, and that's really what Donald Trump as president, he kind of ripped the Band-Aid off of that when he won in 2016. And then they really put the Marxism on overload and they corrupted the Department of Justice, our intelligence agencies. But the media has long been corrupted. They're just more corrupted than they, than they were before. So, John, all we can really do is ignore them. Um, as you well know, uh, if, you know, there's been lots of slander and defamation that have occur- occurred already against True Social. Uh, we watch all that, and we will take legal action in court uh, when, it's, when it's the, the timing is appropriate. But in the meantime, you know, we are that shining city on a hill that people are flocking to. I mean, every single day we continue to grow. And I think if you look at, I'm, I'm quite sure that if you, if you look at the moves that Facebook is making now, I think there's no question that they must be on the decline. And that's just my opinion. Uh, but I, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to fewer and fewer people out there that are on Facebook specifically Facebook. And of course, you already know my opinions on 
on Twitter. I think it's just a bot farm, in which I think Elon Musk has now discovered it's not worth nearly close to $44 billion. I do believe that Instagram is, is holding its own, which is obviously owned by Facebook, but it's, it's clearly not seeing the growth levels that it, that it did see. And look, one thing that, uh, that, uh, that is undeniable is that we grow at True Social every single day. And like I said, we're not even fully launched, right? And that's the, and you talk about fake news, you know, how many fake news stories did they say, oh my God, they, they, the launch was a failure. Oh, really? Did you listen to any interviews that, that, I, that I gave? I said, we're going to open in the Apple App Store first. We're going to take on people as we build out the cloud. We then launched and let everybody on in the middle of April. Then I said that we were going to open up uh, on the, you know, through a browser, through our web app. That happened in, in the middle of May, 60 days ago. And now what I've been telling you is, is that we're trying to get on the Google Play Store, and we wanted to get those five features out. And, you know, that all has happened. Uh, and I think it's happened in, you know, from my perspective, our team uh, at True Social has done uh, yeoman's work, a hell of a job. And, you know, if you go to any search engine and, 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 and search it, John, it's going to be the same problem. You won't, you will, all you will find is an alternative universe, alternative universe of nuttiness, of, of a reality the left wants the American people to live, live in. And I will say that the people that have come to True Social first are the people that already understand that and ultimately free speech will prevail and that's why every day we we grow and grow and we believe that will happen here in the united kingdom yeah no doubt a couple good questions uh, off topic of truth social but i think really important to the dialogue i think a tectonic shift in the political plates under america latinos really beginning to move to the republican party find a home and there seems to be lots of different dynamics, but as someone that worked hard to get every vote when he was a member in Congress, what do you think is underlying this really sudden, very clear shift in Latino voters from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party? Well, you know, I saw it both in, in my races in 2018 and 2020. So, so I've always stayed away from the term Latino. I think it's quite frankly, it's, it's, it's a little bit offensive. But because it's really trying to put people into a box, which is what leftists like to do. And so, you know, you could maybe use the word Hispanic because a lot of people, you know, at least if they speak Spanish or Portuguese and, you know, they developed South America and, and, and Central America, you know, which, which, you know, those are the key languages there. Uh, but representing a large population uh, of, first of all, I would say a Mexican population that I that I represented. Uh, and secondly, I had had a, a fair number of people from Central America, from Central America. Uh, but, you know, I never ran into anyone who, you know, if you know, they never called themselves Latino. And the reason I'm telling you this little story here is, you know, they, you know, they'll say, look, I'm Honduran or I'm El Salvadoran or I'm and even if they're from Mexico, they'll say they'll say, well, I'm from Guadalajara. You know, we have a lot of people from Guadalajara, Guadalajara in my uh, in my old constituency. Uh, then, you know, you go to places like Florida and you're going to see a lot of Cubans, a lot of Puerto Ricans. And I will tell you, if you're a Mexican, you, you don't believe that you're a Cuban and you don't believe that you're a Puerto Rican. And so I think number one is treating people with the dignity that they deserve, their, their history, uh, where they came from. That's an important part of America. Uh, all of us uh, love to, to preserve that, that history uh, that, that, of where we come from. And that's what makes America great. So Donald Trump really drove in 18 and 20 uh, for, for record numbers. And now I think there's two, two, key, two key components. 
The first being that all the propaganda in the world, owning 95% of the fake news and owning all the tech companies cannot save you from the prices at the pump, the prices in the store, their shelves. So that's first and foremost, because you know, Hispanic people as a whole, they're hardworking and they tend to, uh, they tend to be middle class because a lot of them are first, second, third generation. So it's hitting them hard. So that movement had already occurred. Um, you have a little bit something different happening down on the southern border of Texas. That's also been a movement of, that I'm sure is being uh, exaggerated by the, the, the immigration issue uh, and, and also the economic issue. But I'll tell you in the final point, the reason that I made this whole, uh, I went kind of through that description of kind of the, you know, using the term Latino is kind of ridiculous. Um, but they got really ridiculous, John, here, uh, gosh, what was it, four, five, six months ago when the, when the Democratic Party went out with their messaging and all of the media with calling people no longer a Latino or a Latina, but a Latinx. Yes. <laughs> okay, a Latinx. What the hell is a Latinx? Nobody knows. I had never heard of it. And that was really offensive. And I can tell you that, you know, the people, you know, that I know, I have a lot of friends who are, who are Mexican-Americans, obviously growing up, going to high school with them and, and working with them all through my career. I mean, this really pissed them off. I can, I can tell you that 100%. And I think things like that tend to break through. So just like the price at the pump or the prices in the store break through, calling people Latinxes as if they're like some kind of weird, you know, transgender race of some kind is offensive. And so I think it was just that combination and then this Latinx thing just pushed them over the top. And you now see how the left has, is running away from that as fast as possible. But the damage is, has been done. I mean, the people that I know are never going to forget that the Democratic Party, the Biden administration, all of them tried to relabel them as some transgender, you know, freak shows with some new name that was, quite frankly, you know, built upon a name that they were already trying to get people in the Latino, Latina category, and then to change it into some weird Marxist uh, category, I think was a major, major failure. And I think that will, is going to be the catalyst, ultimately, I think, for Hispanics nationwide, no matter what country you came from, to join, to join the Republican Party. Yeah, sometimes little things make big statements in politics. And I think you're right. That one's going to be one that people will look back in history and say, oh, that was a big blunder. I think much like letting uh, transgender males compete in female competitions. I think that that's another one that people will go back and say, oh, my God, that just turned the tide in a very big way. I want to turn to one other thing, because you led the charge. It was really your work, your team, that began the unraveling of the false Russia collusion story. And this morning, we have a big story out there saying that after President Trump ordered the declassification of the documents, the Justice Department played a fast one on them, grabbed the documents saying, hey, we've got to put a few more Privacy Act redactions in there. They were ordered once they did that, released them to the public, a lawful order from a sitting president. And 18 months later, the Justice Department, like it's done so many times before, thwarted the release of documents that would give transparency into the abuses you're probably not surprised by the Justice Department, but what's the big loss for the American people on what the DOJ just did? Well, it's just the continued corruption of the Department of Justice in the United States of America that started in 15, went full-blown, full-scale in 2016, uh, and now it's just hopelessly corrupt. And this is an, a, an easy example of it. So I'm familiar. 
I believe with what most of those documents are. Uh, there was never any reason that those shouldn't have been declassified. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, now we find out that those were sent over to be declassified. And I saw this so many times throughout 17 and 18 when we were going through and, and trying to work through the Russia hoax is, you know, every single thing we did, we have the Justice Department say, you're going to destroy national security. Oh, really? No, I'm just, you're, you're covering up for the biggest scandal of corruption in the history of the United States of America. And it just continues. And I think it's just, it, it gets to probably the heart of the matter, which is going to be, how do you ultimately fix the Department of Justice in the United States? Because everything else flows from there. That's why this is such an important issue. Because once you allow the left in this country, I mean, it was the Obama administration. It was Obama and Biden working with the Clinton campaign that really corrupted the Department of Justice. I mean, it's never been perfect, but justice will never always be perfect. But to have it swayed so it, have it so be so political, and now there's so many examples that are right in front of our eyes right now, probably the most obvious being, why are the people that rioted on January 6th, exercising their free speech, by the way, there was, you know, I always have to say that, that on January 6th, everybody had a perfect right to come to Washington, D.C. and protest. It happens every single day. You just saw just yesterday, uh, the squad, AOC Democrats, it was, it looked like a fake protest. I guess they had like fake handcuffs and they walked off and, you know, performed. It's a protest. It's, it's legal in, in our nation's capital. Now, the people that broke the windows, those people need to be prosecuted on, on January 6th, for sure. Uh, the people that broke into the House chamber, Senate chamber, they need to be prosecuted without, without question. The people that were let in or didn't even go into our nation's, in, into the nation's, our nation's capital, Seems a little bit far-fetched, but you have people that are sitting in jail right now that didn't even go or have been prosecuted and convicted who didn't even go into the Capitol, okay? So, but you now, but you then have people, you, see, you saw the billions of dollars and all the lives that were lost, property destroyed through all the BLM, BLM riots in 2020. It's a tale of two justice systems. Uh, you see a guy lie to the FBI you see, like Sussman, uh, through the Durham investigation that was a result of our, of, of our criminal referrals, uh, you see a guy walk in Washington, D.C., where it's 95% Democrats. And so they had normalized the politicization of our justice system and our intelligence agencies. And I'll tell you, as somebody who spent two decades in Congress working on these issues, I, I look back now and, you know, how foolish did we look in the United States of America you know, we were running around the globe working with our allies, working with adversaries, trying to improve their justice system. I mean, I remember I went to, went to Iraq with then-Senator Jeff Sessions back in, gosh, the late 2000s, and we spent, God, it seemed, I don't know, I think it was three or four days. We spent going around, meeting with all of their, you know, judges and police departments and security and intelligence uh, folks, preaching what? Preaching you have to have a fair and impartial justice system. So, I, you know, look, I ultimately I blame Obama and the Clintons for this, for corrupting it. Uh, but then you've had multiple opportunities for the judicial branch of government, the current people at DOJ, the current people at these other intelligence agencies to fix it. And John, this is why I think we're, we're still in the middle of this really dark chapter of American history that started in 2015 with the framing of the Republican Party as being some kind of Russian agent that led to the degradation of the Department of Justice, which is the 
most important issue, I think, at the highest level for the Republicans, if they're to get back in control uh, next year or in, in, in this November, they're going to have a hell of a mess on their hands because this is something that has taken decades to do. And how are you going to turn it around when they have corrupted every single level of the Justice Department, our intelligence agencies, even you see it now trickling down into our military? And it's not going to be it's not going to be easy to fix. So I think what you see here, just another example of information that clearly should be classified. I know I saw it. There was no reason for it to be sent back to, to, to the Department of Justice. It's ridiculous. Whoever did that, they should be prosecuted. Uh, they should be held uh, liable for this. And look, I'm afraid it's going to be a combination of Republicans running real investigations into all of this corruption of the Department of Justice that spans from the Russia hoax now all the way to what's happening with the January 6th hoax to now. And then after that, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really tough for them to put together uh, the, the types of, of prosecutions, the types of criminal referrals, the investigation that has to be done to hold people to hold people accountable and get the United States of America back on the right track and being that place where justice is blind. And it's just not that way right now. And it's and it's and it's it's right in front of our eyes. If you just compare January 6th to the riots of 2020, clear and plain and simple. It is. There's no doubt about it. And a fresh one yesterday with with the Colbert team not getting prosecuted after being repeatedly warned they had to leave, getting jettisoned once. They don't get a trespassing charge against them like so many of the people on January 6th. So every day, new examples of this going over. It's just remarkable. Devin, this is a big deal, this British launch. Everyone's going to be watching, and we can't wait to see what else is next in store for True Social. Thanks for uh, joining us and give us a big and very important update today. Thanks a lot, John. Always great to be with you. You as well, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back... Jason Foster, former investigator for Chuck Grassley, now the head of the Empower Whistleblower Center, has an amazing story about the NIH and an effort to hide information from the American public. We're going to get that right after this commercial break. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash just news. That's tnusa.com slash just news. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great 
and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest was really one of the most impactful investigators I've ever met in my time in Congress. If you can think of a scandal in the last 10 or 12 years, Jason Foster was almost certainly involved in it, whether it was fast and furious, Russia collusion, really one of the true great investigators in all of Washington. And about a year or so ago, he retired from the Senate, created an incredible whistleblower group called Empower that is really making a difference in the oversight category protecting whistleblowers who want to come out and blow the whistle, particularly in the Biden administration. And he's joining us now because there is an amazing story about NIH, China, the coronavirus, and an effort to keep you, the American people, in the dark. Jason, great to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You do such great work. You know how to work documents. You know how to work litigation. You know how to work an interview. But every so often, a little thing happens that I think speaks volumes to the mentality of the bureaucracy, the federal government. It's the mentality that it's not responsive to the American people anymore. It's their information, not the taxpayers' information. When you found that there had been some information that had been disclosed by NIH and you brought it to the attention of NIH, rather than make it more public or accept it, they tried to play the game of hiding something that already had gotten out of the toothpaste tube. Tell us what went on there. Yeah, so uh, we're in uh, FOIA litigation against uh, NIH over this controversy about uh, them having deleted some uh, uh, coronavirus genetic information from a database that NIH runs uh, at the request of a Chinese researcher. There were some articles uh, about this, and some uh, senators asked questions about it. Senators Grassley and Blackburn and Marshall uh, wrote letters asking about it, and they got uh, stonewalled by the agency. Uh, basically trying to figure out why, you know, why would they do this? Why would they, why would they agree to a Chinese researcher's, um, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, why would you let a Chinese researcher's request to remove information that could be related to the pandemic, could be related, that's related to these coronavirus uh, genetic sequences? Why would you delete that? Uh, and uh, so that, that, that deletion was requested in June of 2020, right in the height of the pandemic. Uh, and the NIH did did delete them. There were some there were some news articles about it. I said, as I said, the senators' questions about it. Yeah, we wrote about it. Yeah, you guys wrote about it. Um, and so, and we did a FOIA about it. And uh, you know, we they basically ignored us. They blew through all the statutory deadlines. They completely ignored the deadlines for for months and months and months. Uh, didn't even send us an acknowledgement saying, you know, oh, you're in the back of the queue. It'll take us a while to get to you. So we eventually had to sue. We got documents related to, uh, uh, you know, that we were, we got some of the documents we were seeking. We put out a report last March going through the documents that we had received. Uh, and then we received more documents in May. Uh, and one of the things that we learned was that in addition to this request from a Chinese researcher in June, there was another request that we hadn't previously known about um, from March of 2020, even earlier, even in the, the more, right as things were shutting down. 
Um, and this was a, it, we're not sure if it's a different researcher. There's a different, there's a different name associated. There's a different university associated with it. So the one in June was the Wuhan University. It was a researcher identified as someone from the Wuhan University. And they redacted the name of that person. That's the one that there was the big controversy already over. Well, we learned there was another request um, in March with somebody who said they were associated with the um, uh, Chinese Agricultural Universe, the Chinese Agricultural University. Um, but they, in that May production, they didn't redact that person's name. And so uh, in a filing recently, we asked uh, the government, uh, or we asked the court to, uh, you know, to, to look skeptically on the agency's uh, affidavits claiming that they had done everything appropriately because, hey, look, here's an example where they're claiming that they had to re redact these researchers' names in one place, but they didn't redact it in the other place. And our point in saying and pointing that out to the court was, hey, they you have an affidavit from the head from the chief uh, Freedom of Information Act officer claiming that they did everything exactly properly. But look, they didn't even you know, they clearly re released this person's name here and then they weren't releasing similar person's name in another place. So there's an inconsistency here. They're not they're not being consistent. That's all we offered it for. Um, uh, and then after we filed our we filed our motion, that was one of our arguments in our opposition to the government's uh, request, uh, you know, for summary judgment. Um, and as soon as we, you know, day or two after we filed our motion, the the government filed a motion seeking to seal those portions of our motion that mentioned the name of the Chinese researcher that they had disclosed to us. Go figure that one out, right? They release it, you refer to it. Now they want to censor you from talking about it. Exactly. That's exactly what they're attempting to do. We will be filing our we're, we'll be filing our official answer opposing the attempt to seal our uh, filings um, on Friday. Uh, but, you know, um, right now the court has only heard from the government side, uh, you know, just uh, with their request to have it all sealed. But the information is already out there. It's already it's already public for anybody who wants to look at our filing. The court hasn't preemptively sealed it, before, you know, prior to its making a decision. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is a, an, an example of trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but it's an example of the government, you know, moving heaven and earth to quickly file a motion to seal something, you know, to try to protect the supposed privacy rights, you know, of a Chinese, uh, of a Chinese researcher, you know, associated with the, with the Chinese government, you know, research program, uh, at their Chinese supported, you know, government supported universities over there. Um, you know, and meanwhile, I mean, that's just a huge contrast to what we see them doing. You know, I've seen in other cases where a whistleblower's name, uh, you know, that they don't take actions to protect. Yeah, they won't take actions to protect a whistleblower's name who's an American citizen, a government employee who reports wrongdoing, uh, you know. And I mean, there's another example in another case that, uh, you know, isn't public. I can't talk about right now, but where that's exactly what's going on, where they where they said, well, too late. It's already out there. There's nothing we can do about it now. But when it's a Chinese researcher, for some reason, and it has something to do with a big important issue like, you know, maybe finding more information about the, uh, the you know, the origins of the pandemic, all of a sudden, now they're they're on the ball and they're filing, they're spending time and resources to to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube, um, you know, when when we all, you know, I mean, that's impossible. It's already out there. It is unbelievable that they're more interested in protecting a Chinese researcher, a foreign nationals researcher's contacts with the NIH than the American public's interest in maybe getting to the bottom of this deletion, which, by the way, could really help us give us some visibility into what they knew about the coronavirus and whether any of our prior research activities in China contributed to it. It's just remarkable that 
they'll go to that extent. What do you think is the real motive here? Why did they delete that data originally? Why are they trying to protect the names of people? It seems like anyone who contacts the government, I don't think there should be an assumption of privacy. If you engage with the government, seems like that's a legitimate thing that we should know the name of a person who did it. What do you think is the long-term thinking here? What do you think they're trying to hide in all this? Well, the, what they argued to the court was that they needed to protect the person named from any harassment because of the you know, sort of the white-hot attention of anything related to COVID-19. Uh, so their presumption is that somehow, I guess, that if someone knows the name, that, that, that there'll be you know, some kind of public a backlash or, or, you know, someone making some kind of a threat or something to someone in China, I guess, I, you know, so, but that's what they're claiming to the court. I think the reason this is particularly sensitive, though, uh, for them, and the reason maybe they want to try to clamp down on information as much as possible is, you know, as I said, this is a new, this is another deletion. So there's multiple deletions. There's not just the one that's already been written about. That's so important. That happened in June of 2020. This is an, an earlier one in March, and it has to do with with pangolin uh, coronavirus sequences. Um, and, you know, we, there was this outside researcher, Jesse Bloom, who's been in the news, you know, who was sort of the person from the outside pushing, pushing the NIH to look at this stuff. Well, his name is all over the documents, right? So to your point, you know, they didn't redact Jesse Bloom's name anywhere, um, you know, but they, but when Jesse Bloom was trying to get to the bottom of, well, why did you, why did you, uh, why did you answer the request? Uh, why did you agree to the request of this Chinese researcher named so-and-so, who, by the way, Jesse Bloom is the person who writes the name in the email, right? So it's an American citizen who's concerned about whether the government's doing the right thing. He's saying, I noticed that this is all public information that Jesse Bloom had access to, right? It's not, it's not some kind of private government information or classified information. It's information that researchers out there, you know, already had, a, you know, a member of the public like, like Mr. Bloom was able to, to, he was the one pointing it out to the government. So it, the notion that this is somehow secret or that people shouldn't be able to see it or that we have to go and redact documents that we've already put on our website or put, you know, filed with the court, you know, it's just it's a big waste of time. I mean, they should be spending that time going and looking for the documents that we've asked for and removing the redactions that they don't have a right to redact, like the answers to the senator's questions, which they provided us a document that has the answers to the senator's factual questions about these deletions that that they re, that they never they didn't send to the senators and they redacted when they produced the document to us. So that's what they should be spending their time doing. Yeah, if they were acting in the interest of the American people, that's what they would do. But so often, I, I want to get at this because we've got another story this morning where the Justice Department at the last minute grabbed the documents that President Trump had declassified for the Russia collusion case. It would show us the true FBI abuses that went on and got them to a place where they couldn't be released to the public. A remarkable secret hand of government coming out, stealing another piece of transparency from the American public. But there seems to be this large growing philosophy among the bureaucrats who sell in government that this is our information, not the American public's information, but we, the bureaucracy, we get to make decisions, even if we're not given the authority from legislature, that was the West Virginia EPA case. Then if someone wants to see what we did, we don't want to give you the information when did the government of we the people, because that's what we were formed on, suddenly become the government of we the bureaucrats? Uh, well, it's been that way. I mean, you know, it's been getting worse, but it's it's been that way for a long time. And, you know, this 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 argument about privacy and supposedly protecting people's privacy 
you know, as the reason for not uh, disclosing the documents that were ordered to be disclosed in the Russia matter. I mean, it's it's the same thing here, and it's the same thing I've seen time after time in multiple examples. You know, there is a Privacy Act, and Congress passed the Privacy Act to protect American citizens' privacy. But, the, you know, the irony is that the government almost exclusively uses it not to protect you and me, but to protect themselves. You know, the the the, the people that they're most aggressive in in protecting the privacy of is is their own uh, bureaucrats or, you know, another government's bureaucrats in the case of the Chinese researcher, right? So, um, you know, the, 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 irony, the irony is, is that they, you know, they don't use that Privacy Act protection as a, as, a, uh, uh, as a shield for the American people. They use it as a shield for themselves. Yeah, it's just remarkable. And oftentimes it's a shield to protect themselves from, you know, unflattering revelations about mishandling government documents, misleading the FISA court, whatever is in the heart of a controversy. It's bad for the American people that this sort of mentality exists. It's got to be incredibly frustrating. Real quickly, Jason, how do people stay in touch with the great work that you're doing at Empower Oversight? We have a story every couple of weeks about something great that you're working on, but what's the best way for people who want to support you, stay in touch with your work, follow the work? What are the best coordinates? Yeah, if they go to empoweroversight.org, uh, you can put your email in there and sign up for our email updates and you'll get them um, uh, whenever. If you want to go back and read about some of this stuff, uh, you know, that we're talking about today, you can go click on the media page and then do a search for NIH uh, and you'll find all of our press releases and, and, uh, and reports and so forth on this. Important work you're doing. This organization was so sorely needed and in just a few short months, you guys have made a big splash in the accountability space and providing these protections to whistleblowers and getting the American people information through FOIA lawsuits, a great public service indeed. Thanks so much for your time today, Jason. Good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, America. So glad you could join us today. Big thank you to Devin Nunes and to my good friend Jason Foster for the time on the show today for the scoopy news that they brought with them today. Think about that. Anthony Covid was deleting Chinese databases on coronavirus research. Why? These are government documents. They're not supposed to be deleted from public view. What's going on? And also, if you make something public, you can't take it back. That's not how the government works. Two really great stories. And of course, all the great information that we got from Devin Nunes going live with Truth Social in Great Britain and his reaction, I thought, spot on reaction to the DOJ secretly thwarting the release of the Russia documents that President Trump had so graciously declassified. 
two great guests today. Very thankful for all that they brought to the table today because they did bring a lot to the table. That's what we try to do here. We're going to break some more stories in the next couple of days. So stay tuned to justthenews.com. We've got you covered 24-7 on that, as we always do. And it's a great to check before bed, check when you get up in the morning. We always have new stories, both on breaking news and exclusive news from the enterprise investigative team that I'm a part of. All right, before we go, always like to introduce you to our partners. And we've got a new one that does great work. Why? Because it deals with something that I care about a lot. If you're going to be a a Second Amendment advocate like I am, if you believe in responsible gun ownership, training and competency is an important part. You need to be not only a safe gun owner, you need to be a responsible gun owner, you need to be a competent gun owner, you need to be a trained gun owner. And safe gun ownership and competency is something that can be achieved. Safe shooting skills and training are available online from experts and learn how to safely shoot, store, and care for your firearm from the IHEA. Visit ffcourse.org today. That's what you got to do to get the great training that IHEA is doing. Visit ffcourse.org today and take one of their accessible online courses. I'm taking one right now. I love it. You should too. It's just a good way to refresh, create the muscle memory, so you're always safe, always responsible, always competent when you own your gun. The courses are easy. They're great. All you got to do to remember, ffcourse.org, ffcourse.org to learn how to safely shoot, store, and care for your firearm from the IHEA. Take one of those courses right now. You won't regret it. I'm in the middle of one right now. I love it. All right, folks, we're going to break some more news tomorrow. Check back. We're going to have a big scoop on the show tomorrow. Until then, God bless you. God bless this incredible country of the United States of America, as he always has. Thank you for listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from justthenews.com. And remember, go check the website out day and night. We got you covered with exclusive stories, newsmaker interviews, and the latest breaking news, for which there always is a lot in Washington. All right, folks, God bless. Good night. Talk to you tomorrow. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text JUSTNEWS to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.